and then it often leads to pain and suffering and you learn <laughs> the hard way you know um this is the 10th year uh the 10th anniversary of this big my big scandal in anusara happy anniversary well yeah yeah you know congratulations Right. It's, you know, exactly. So it's kind of like even in a divorce, you know, do you, you know, you say, oh, I'm sorry, or you say congratulations, right? Um, because you know that it's painful. You know, these things are really painful. So typically spiritual growth, uh, expansion of spiritual intelligence is going to often come from some sort of painful change transformation you know it's not just uh, all love and light and bliss and oh that's good congratulations you know no it was really hard it was really uh it's alchemical you know the the first stage of the alchemy is like they call it the blackening you you literally burn you 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 uh get blackened you know and it's very it can be very intense um and then you go through a whole period of cl cleaning and reevaluation and just self-reflection which is also incredibly painful so looking at the shadows um, helps then to clear that and the light grows that's the spiritual intelligence it's really the analogy of light is very appropriate it's very accurate because through the light we're able to see you know and what's blocking oftentimes is these occlusions their their shadows their darknesses their darkness and um, you know, 10 years ago, I didn't even realize how uh, shadowed some part of my mind was, um, or we just don't, we just don't see a lot of times the misalignment, so to speak, right, until somebody points it out. And that's what happened to me. Mm -hmm. um, so that was 10 years ago. And so it's been incredible. So now I can say, yeah, congratulations that I went through that because it was, it turned out to be the most incredible uh, shift in my whole life path. And, and I feel blessed because of it. Wow. Now you have Mars and Venus in your 12th house. So 12th house has the, that's where, that's the arena of Pisces. And, and like you said, um, it can be things that you just don't see like the shadow that it's like being in, in deep water. And sometimes you just don't see it. And with Mars, have you felt that um, Mars as, as a guru of sorts, of your own guru, your inner guru, helping you develop that, that special kind of courage, a, a, a spiritual, a mystical courage, so that you can maintain a one-pointed steadiness, even when faced with really frightening inner experiences? Because I, I can just imagine, I mean, I, was, I remember when 10 years ago, what what it, how it felt for me but it but for you going through that inner experience of of uh that that suffering that you went through when when all that was going down do you do you feel like um that that, that that's what you've developed and more uh, more courage with that yes absolutely that the super spreader scandal that happened just so fast, like fire just happened so fast. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's also one of these things that even after 10 years, it was really never, um, investigated. It wasn't even uh, the, you know, any kind of discussion of it 
really just got covered over by kind of a mob mentality. So that in some ways it wasn't ever reconciled. You know, what really happened if you ask people, you know, it's just based uh, on imaginations and um, slanderous rumors a lot. I mean, some things of course were true, but uh, I wasn't really asked necessarily. And uh, there was nobody that, there was no victims that, uh, you know, filed a complaint, ethical complaint or anything. It wasn't that at all. It was a, a scandal from allegations that um, where I had an affair with the student. That was the number one allegation. Then uh, I smoked marijuana was another. And that I was part of a, a cult group, uh, a Wiccan coven. And there was a fourth auxiliary thing which was, it implied that I had had um, even illegal business dealings uh, related to my pension fund. And so when you put those four things together and you almost just do headlines on them, that's all you have to do is put those things on Facebook and just put it out there and it becomes an immediate shit show. There's no, um, you know, a total, crowd, a mob gathers, and it doesn't matter what it is to say, trying to explain, you know, like uh, the, you know, the affair is consensual, it's an old friend, it's none of your business, um, that didn't go, of course, that doesn't go over at all, <laughs> and um, that, uh, you know, at the time, marijuana, you know, people think, I, I don't know, I guess they thought it was, I, I had calls from other yogis saying that they, they were, that was the thing they were most disappointed about. I couldn't believe that, but that's what, that's some of the uh, feedback I got. And uh, they had no idea about, you know, um, a Wiccan coven sounds very uh, sexy and mystical and you just make up, you know, anything you want with that. That's totally fuels the realm of imagination. Mm-hmm. And um, and those three things are were true, you know. Or the, I did have an affair. I did smoke marijuana. I did. I you know I've been part of Wiccan coven since I was a teenager. Um, and but uh, you know, from my perspective, it was very natural and wholesome and creating good magic, white magic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the the business illegalities and so on were completely false, and I had. I, I had a, a letter from the pension fund immediately posted, but it didn't matter. You know, those rumors persisted. Um, there was nothing to it at all. It was like on a, uh, a complaint about a self-addressed stamped envelope. It was so stupid, but it didn't matter because just the headline that, that I could have been corrupt, business corruption, right? And that's all that that's, and then I lost work from it. And immediately within days, like all of my business contracts and sponsorships from corporations and things like this were canceled, you know, because it was like, oh, this is a scandal. We don't, you know, it doesn't matter if anything's, you know, what's true or what's false, it's, that's really bad. And so you're, you're, you're gonna be um, sorry, but we have to cancel your contract. So that's what happened and, um, you know, it's devastating, of course, for me, but there was also, um, the strength really comes from just knowing what's the truth, you know, and then I had to look at it and say, yeah, some things are really 
these, these shadows are really true. And I need to look at that. So I didn't blame anybody else. I mean, some other, some guy that I do now uh, legitimately think is a psychopath was the guy that put the website up that started the whole thing. Wasn't even in the yoga community. Um, you know, just hacked my, um, the emails and, and uh, direct messaging and so on, and was able to, you know, build this, build a website that was up for a day, it was up for one day, and that's all it took. And mm. I had to just um, know that what was really true, and that's where I had fortitude, right? And the Mars, the Mars is where Mars tends to be, you know, you want to fight back, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Mars. Mar my Mars in Cancer has got to be, you know, I've often thought of it as the weakest placement of my chart, you know, so if someone says, you know, where's your Achilles heel, you know, that's Mars in Cancer in the 12th, because, well, and again, you can, you can use it in the positive, which I think I have learned to do, and that's where you, okay, you don't fight back, you don't need to fight back, there's nothing you're going to say, you can't apologize publicly, it doesn't, the mob doesn't care, you know, if it's consensual, doesn't matter, um, you know, uh, if they, they even know what Wicca is, it, it's that I had to be true to my own heart, and have this, have the strength of the highest desire, again, not to hurt anyone, just to say, I got to look at myself, I have to self reflect and look at and any blame, I'm going to take full accountability. So that's kind of what I did. And so I just went, you know, in the 12th, you just kind of go away, you go, you go take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know how much, uh, like, if you know, evolutionary astrology, but, or you, you understand about the south node, yeah. Uh, but my south node is Aries. So that's the ruler of Mars, right? So, okay. so I've already had the strength of a lifetime of being a warrior, of mm -hmm. being an independent. I'm not afraid, you know, I don't have a lot of fear uh, being in war, okay? Um, the Mars in Cancer just doesn't, like, it's like fighting is stupid. So I just would tend to turn around and I just went to deal with my own problems and work on myself and that's really what i did um within really a few weeks and months which is the most incredible thing after the scandal which happened in this uh, february 2012 i started to work with desi and desi was, is a woman of high integrity and she because when you have high integrity even the spiritual uh integrity you have intrinsically courage you know, because you're totally solid in yourself. And um, I would being hanging around with her and then her being able to uh, show me things that I didn't see before in, in the whole yoga thing, the alignment, but even being a mirror for me and not being judgmental, but being um, just clear, straight, like here, John, here's, you know, here's what you got to look at in yourself. You need friends or family like that, you know, that then you can have spiritual evolution. So, so in relationship, that's like the highest. And I had a lot of courage from Desi's support. And, um, and then I've had that background, I think, of warrior, you know, South Node Aries um, mm -hmm. 
So that gives me a lot of independence. So I, I'm totally happy going, you know, even though um, I was always around a lot of people in the last 10 years, I could pull back and do much more self work and be more independent in that way. So that's the, that's my work in Mars, Mars in the 12th. Mars in the 12th. Thank you for that. And Venus in the 12th. So that's interesting that your south node is Aries so that your north node would be Libra then, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so bringing harmony and balance and then working with a partner. That's perfect. That's right. exactly. Exactly. So you're totally living in alignment evolutionary wise. All right. Um, yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I agree with you about Pisces. I mean, obviously it's the 12th, it's the 12th sign. So it's the most evolved and it does take a lifetime. Like Aries is the first, right? So Aries is you know, survival and then going all the way around to 12, it does take, it, it takes a lifetime to really have that spiritual integrity. I, but I, I wonder like as a, as a boy, that must've been a challenge to have the Pisces moon with all the feelings like you could feel everything and the psychicness being psychic and um, the visions, having all these high visions at such a young age what, um, were there other boys like that in your friend group? Or uh, it's, yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting point because we have the context that I think that my upbringing was in the 60s and in the 70s, right? Mm -hmm. So um, those are like the some of the highest times, like being a middle-class American, you're mm -hmm. just living, you know, we were totally free. You know, it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That's how I grew <laughs> up. And it was... Um, it was the highest time, literally and figuratively. <laughs> it really was. It really was, right? It, was a, it was a high time. And so for me to be open, I was able to be open to learn to practice uh, these uh, more mystical arts, you know, types of meditation. Uh, active meditation, witchcraft, um, but for positive, you know, using uh, mantras, using yantras. Um, these are, these were the things that I learned that, that my psychic ability really helped and that it led me, you know, in a positive way, in, a, in a, an incredible path, you know, so if you use your psychic abilities, we use our psychic abilities in this high way, the, the, and you really listen, the, the universe, if you will, guides us, the soul. And there's, I believe there's fates involved and so on. But generally, the psychic aspect um, when I was younger was really positive. Now, if I was growing up right now, if I was really uh, in sensitive and a teenager, I think it'd be one of the hardest times. I know you have children, Cheryl. Um, but it's just, I, I think really the times are completely different in the 2020s um, than the, the 1960s, mm -hmm. right? So, and this, this is often not um, understood, I think, or not really emphasized enough, you know, um, and, and how our generations are also so different. Yes, definitely. Um, well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I've seen your uh, deep sense of humor, your profound sense of humor shift since I first uh, knew you, but you, you've always gotten the joke. You've always understood um, the trivial pursuits that animate most people's lives. So um, how, 
how do you use that to your advantage or how do you work with that? How, how have you seen your humor evolve um, and get deeper and, and more profound in, in the last, well, since let's say since 2012? Yeah, it's a good question um, too, because my humor has really shifted. And prior to 2012, a big focus for me was on freedom. And within the freedom, there's always a bliss, there's a happiness, uh, it's joyful, you know, it's a merry, it's a merry time, right? Mm -hmm. And so you see, you know, the superficiality of, of the world, the mainstream, and I could just laugh about it, um, you know, prior to the to 2012. <laughs> and where it shifted, instead of just laughing, for me, it's more on shifted toward more of wonder and amazement. Mm. And there is still, you can see like, you can see the play of it, the, the play of consciousness, right? Still so that, but it's an, it's nuanced. I, I don't really have, I'm not laughing as much as I did at the, at the, the play, um, but more of a wonder. So there's um, it's, you know, and that's just through the experience of, of, I guess, the tough times, uh, especially over the last 10 years. So like a warrior of wonder, you've become like a warrior of wonder. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And, and, and the wonder leads to curiosity. And I want to know, you know, like, well, how did I get myself into this? What did I, what did I do to create it? How do I get better? How do I improve? What do I do from here? How do I serve? So yeah. that becomes the situation. Um, and, and um, it's a wonder about like, how could these people turn on me? Right. How did the people that were close, that were close to me literally betray me uh, so easily? Mm -hmm. Why did the, why did um, the mainstreamer, you know, uh, social media um, become such like a, a mob, this mob mentality. And that, and, you know, that is like, wow, I need to look at that. Like that's, there's a sense of wonder, like, wow, this is much bigger than me even. This is more of a social phenomenon. You know, this is a cultural phenomenon, you know, and we've seen this and I've seen it develop. We've seen it all develop, you know, postmodernism. Uh, more specifically, neoliberal postmodernism. And I could speak a lot about that, but that the last 10 years, looking at it, it's like, wow, I really want to understand this. And that led me to dive deep into seeing what is the real uh, forces behind and, and uh, that were behind the culture and that I contributed to. So what have you seen? So you were, you know, looking at your story back in 2012, you were actually kind of ahead of your time in the sense that that was, that was uh, what happened would fit in well with the cancel culture that we've been dealing with over the last three or four years. You know, yours just happened to be 10 years ago. It may have kickstarted the whole revolution. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, what have you, and, and it's, it's hard to watch. It's been hard to watch as a spectator uh, over, you know, with, a lot of the things that we've been dealing with over the last five years, what have you seen differently, if anything, as far as like our world around us and why, I mean, have you learned anything as to why cancel culture has gained so much momentum and it's, and it's a thing now. And, you know, it, it's, to me, it, the whole thing is perplexing. 
Yeah, I'd love, this is such a big topic, Brandon, that I'd love to literally come back just for a discussion and some presentation of what are the forces culturally that have led up to this present uh, cancel culture to this um, ideology really that is mainstream today. And I was early, you know, it was like shocking because I really at the time in 2012, I just didn't think, you know, people would just cancel you um, because uh, of some slander, right? That I thought, no, we'd have, it's going to, you know, there's going to be a discussion, maybe even investigation. People will interview people and then there'll be, you know, if there's some wrongdoing determined, then there'll be consequences. But that kind of like even rule of law is gone, was gone then and it's certainly gone now. And it becomes more ideological battle. So this is where to really understand that question, you have to, we have to understand ideology of postmodernism and then a, a spectrum, a branch of postmodernism that I, I call neoliberalism. Um, and within that, there's the wokeism, you know, identitarianism. Um, so you get into this pack mentality, a mob mentality. And if you're counter to that kind of even cult mentality as a heretic, you're immediately canceled. And it, it, it has its historical or origins all the way back. I mean, if we really want to look in a nutshell, going back to the Frankfurt School back in right after World War II, um, you have the philosopher Marcuse um, promoting the idea that people that aren't uh, agreeing with their ideology need to be basically canceled. You just, uh, you censor them, you silence them. Um, even before, it, well, even during um, the Nazi regime, the original anti-fascists, uh, Antifa, the original in Germany would not allow Nazis initially in the early 30s to get up and um, speak, you know, publicly. They would literally, you just, it was just, you know, punch a Nazi was kind of the whole thing and you shut them down. But now it's used, now anti-fascist kind of, uh, you know, censorship or silencing the opponent um, is brought into silencing those that advocate for uh, against fascism, which is, so the whole thing is inverted, you know, and that's why it's such a big subject. I need to come back. But for me, um, I was lucky too, because cancel culture 2012, I was able to get canceled and still come back to have a job. You know, yeah. I still was in, you know, taught in 17 countries since I got canceled. So in a way, it, you know, I, I'm now impervious to that. And so, um, you know, I can't be, I just don't feel like I can be um, uh, pushed out completely now. So that's a blessing as well. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. And I mean, that's a testament to you. I, I, you know, a lot of people I don't think have the uh, inner ability to, to do that. But yeah, it's I, I'm with you. I'd love to, I'd love to discuss it more because there's, you mentioned the inversion of it, but there's also there's just so many factors that that go into it, and and nowadays it's the frustrating part is I actually with some groups that I feel uh, are are canceling people, I feel like their heart's in the right place, but they're 
their actions aren't, you know? And, and so it's, it, to me, it's a very, very confusing thing. And I'd love to dive deep into the psychosis of that. Yeah, it's very, it's really important subject, you know, mass hypnosis, um, you know, mass formation of these ideologies and philosophies. And it's really dangerous. It's super dangerous, you know, for especially with totalitarianism globally um, kicking into a whole different gear, um, you know, but on every level, science, like our, our whole thing with the Bowspring method is saying that the science of functional movement is about dynamic posturing. Whereas what I taught before in Anusara effectively is based on biomechanics of a static structure, a compressive structure. And so scientifically, if we don't allow a dialogue, if we're not allowing any kind of discussion now, especially like on viruses and vaccines and, and so on, that's the same thing that they do. There's complete censorship. You're not advancing. You're not gonna advance the discussion if you cut out the 1% um, who's actually leading to a new paradigm. You see, so we have to have the people uh, like Desi Springer, um, I like to think myself, are going to be more innovative, that are going to be presenting new ideas. If you keep, if you cancel everybody that has a new idea, we never evolve. 100% agree. Yeah, you think about all the people that have pioneered anything. If cancel culture was a, was a thing or if they were a victim of it, there's a lot of things we probably wouldn't have today. So from my understanding or how I feel about spiritual intelligence is you're learning and then you like you said you bring in the discernment you bring in your own intuitive edit and for me it was easy because I grew up with my mom and dad as Pisces moon they also had two opposing religions and I like you John grew up in the 60s 70s and back then I didn't know anybody else that had two religions Jewish and Catholic uh, Irish Catholic Jewish, Russian Jewish, I didn't know anybody. And my parents always taught me to take what I, to, to learn about them and learn about all religions and then um, feed myself how that's needed. And I was always going to different um, spiritual venues with my friends. And I, I really appreciate having that background. And then when it comes to spiritual lineages like yours, I, um, you, I remember that you, you were never like, I'm the guru, you have to do what I say, you know, um, I, I think that as, and I, but I did anyway, I always did everything you said. <laughs> so, you know, I always made sure I did the five principles of alignment because it was a great framework. And then, um, and I've studied lots of different lineages being, being a Gemini, but what I find interesting is, um, the ones that say you have to do it exactly like this, you know, without, without having any kind of intuitive edit to it. And I think when it came to even like the, the cancel culture, it's um, like, why is it that, that we, that we can't just um, use our own, that more of us can, or can we be taught how to use that that intuitive edit, because you know, like all the greats that have brought us the most advanced revolutionary ideals that we that we now have, they, they have, they've had some stuff too, probably similar to you, right? And, and that's what happens when you have all that 
what we call woohoo currency, the prana, the life force, you have so much of it and that you, you need an outlet sometimes. And, and some of culture might not approve of, let's say a Wiccan cult or something like that, or like, you know, marijuana or something. And just to, to not be able to discern that to me is, is very um, weird. Uh, so I, that's my first question. Like, what, what do you think? Is there a way to teach that intuitive editing, that, um, that discernment so that you, you, because spirituality is very, very individual. And it also leads, leads us to the universal, which is the Pisces, which is the, the, we're all one, but we, but it takes the, the individual, the, the, the particular way that you're getting your spirituality, the, the way that you're going deep into it, the way that you're going, um, like you're, you're, you're maintaining your spirituality and it might be different than other people. It's not just one, there's not just one way to get there. So um, that's, that's my question. Like, can, can, like, how do you find that sweet spot between the having a, a teacher, a spiritual teacher and discerning what is, is gonna help you on your, in, in your involvement? Mm -hmm. Your spiritual path. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think that each of us, we're talking about the sweet spot of between, let's say, universal and individual. Well, the, the truth is going to still be understood directly. This intuitive intelligence is the individual soul. So individually, we have to know, you, you know, if we don't have the... Um, if we're not even questioning, we're not really looking in at ourselves. we're just following outside, you know, that's not a sweet spot, like a, a harmony between universal and individual. It's just going to the collective and saying, no, the mainstream, this is the established idea. This is the standard model. You just follow it. You know, if you question it, um, that's really harmful. That's dangerous to question. Uh, or they'll, you know, the, it's very common today, this, they'll say, uh, you know, you don't have the expertise to even question it, you know, or you don't have the background for that. Um, but it, for me, the sweet spot is this, it, it is the, the universal truth. Let's say, let's, let's make the application for an alignment, a yoga alignment uh, example. Bring in a bow spring. Yeah, so a, a bow spring. So there is a, we use an algorithm. So we literally use an alignment formula to get anybody. So first we, we take the premise that the fact or the truth of the matter is that each person is individually and uniquely different. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that that's a given. So it isn't going to be this super imposition that you're going to get everybody into this exact same form. But what we're looking at is that there's a universal template. There is general proportion. There's, there's general shape. There's directionality. There's a direct, uh, there's a, uh, a general tone, which means like how much are you engaging the muscle and the fascia and so on. And so these are, these, these are universal concepts that we can apply to, uh, to every individual. Every individual can take these universal 
alignments. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the same kind of general idea that I used even in Anusara, because in Anusara yoga, I use universal principles of alignment. But mm -hmm. those principles were for a static posture. They weren't for functional movement, dynamic. Mm -hmm. and very different intent. Okay, so right now we have the two different uh, systems and they can be even for different reasons. Like for instance, if you want to just relax the body and you're, you want to go to sleep, then to do a bowspring, to try to get into a bowspring dynamic alignment is, is gonna be stimulating. You're not gonna fully <laughs> rest. Your, your nervous system is not gonna fully rest. But if you just kind of roll up, you, you, know, you round your back, you lower your chin, you bring your knees up and you get kind of a um, more of a fetal position. You roll up in bed, you'll, you're gonna be comforted. Your nervous system is comforted. So that alignment can be appropriate for sleep, but it is not, the fetal position is not appropriate for running, jumping, any dynamic movement, you see? So then first of all, then we have to see that there are two different worlds and we can't be saying that, oh, well, this, this is bad or only mm -hmm. this is right. It's like, no, they're both right, but right. they're applied at different times of the day. Mm -hmm. One's for night, one's for resting. One, you can hold the pose with using very little effort. And the other is used for dynamic alignment during the day. Mm -hmm. So the sweet spot is, and how do you know the truth? You, you feel it yourself and you realize, yeah, you know what? I, I, if I tuck my tail and pull my chin down and make my legs straight, I can't jump very high. You don't need to be a scientist to, to know that. You realize, yeah, I can't, I can't jump when my tail is tucked and my chin is down and my legs are straight. It doesn't work. But if I bend my knees and I tip my pelvis, an anterior tip of the pelvis, I pull my glutes up. Mm -hmm. I, if I use even the, my, the back of my neck, the back of my head, I can engage all of the myofascia on the whole back of my body and I have way more spring. I can jump way higher. I can run and I don't have the compression in my body. So mm -hmm. this is something that becomes self-evident. The inner truth is again, you, you know, even if I say, hey, this works, we always say, hey, try it yourself, do it. You have to discern, you have to discern, is it helping you or not? And, and we just are so confident with the Bowspring. If we can guide the student to following the formula, they get good results. Mm -hmm. And um, there are variables like that we all have muscular imbalances. So let's just take uh, the hips, for instance. The hip flexors on the front might be tight where the hips, the glutes on the back might be weak and down. So there is, you know, to start with an imbalance. So it might take somebody a few weeks, even at minimal, to be able to get this new pattern you know, of alignment, to feel it, to be able to engage their muscles that have often been atrophied and going a completely other direction. You can't just turn around and say, okay, now I get it. No, you're going to take some time. It's going to take development. And um, that, that's, par for the, that's uh, par for the course here. So um, 
there is a sweet spot, the sweet spot of taking the time to recognize the universal. And the universal is even, do I feel uh, less pain? Am I more free? Uh, mm -hmm. Do I feel more energetically open, you know, versus, oh, this, I feel compressed. I feel this is not good for me. So um, there is a sweet spot about, you know, for yourself, whether the alignment is health, helpful or not, if it's beneficial or not. And so then it's up to each person. Then you don't have to have the, the guru thing that, you know, um, and the dogma just dissolves automatically. Yeah. There's no dogma. If you're, you're the one that's empowered to figure it out and feel it yourself, but then you still have to make a commitment to do the exercises and to really look at your own patterns, which frankly, a lot of people still don't like to do because you look at yourself and you realize you've been misaligning and doing a certain habit unconsciously for so long that it's actually been hurting you. Mm -hmm. You have the, uh, you know, the, the, the lack of ego enough to just say, yeah, wow, that was, now I learned something new and I'm going to change. But a lot of people don't want to change the, the pattern for, because it's kind of their comfort zone. And when it, when it comes to yoga teachers, uh, they don't want to change. That's like, oftentimes their entire uh, teaching, their style is based on something that when they really recognize that it actually isn't helpful, it can even be harmful over time, they're still reluctant to give it up because it's, it could hurt their livelihood. So then we're getting really to the matter of it. Is it, are you doing it because of your spiritual knowing or are you doing it because it really affects your bank account and, and your fame and your popularity? So that was the blessing for me. If I get canceled, then popularity and money doesn't really matter. I can go right to, right to virtue and the values that hold to be true. So that, that's why it's a blessing. There you go. Well, and um, I know, I think people have a, just a hard time changing patterns, even if like people are suffering in their body, like they're not free in their body and they still, but they're comfortable in the pain because it's what they're used to. It's so interesting, but I want to thank you as your Libra, your Libra, your North Node Libra. So you're here to bring more beauty and harmony. So thank you for all the perky butts that you're helping develop <laughs> exactly. in the world. And the last yeah, we all we all thank you for that, Jen. <laughs> we totally do. So basically, every listeners, if your butt is drooping down, you have a flat butt. Uh, come to Bowspring. So my, right. my last, my last question is um, interesting that Pisces is the, uh, the body Pisces is the feet. And you talk so much about the alignment of the feet to help with springiness. Can you give our, our listeners something that they could do like easily do with their feet with how you press down the feet and lift the heels, maybe lifting the heels toward the glutes or uh, an alignment instruction that they could try right now? Yeah, simple thing that is very uh, cool and interesting is notice that when you get nervous, when there's just even some general anxiety that your toes, particularly your big toe will tend to lift up. Mm -hmm. So let's say if you're standing, your toes will tend to lift up. You watch somebody, you know, without their shoes on and they're nervous, their toes are fidgeting, right? Um, so typically, 
the front of the foot, the top of the foot is unconsciously hypertensive while the underside, the arch, the, there's the longitudinal arch and then the, there's an arch in the forefoot, it's called the transverse arch. And that tends to be really weak for most people. Mm. So if you can learn to keep your toes down, to relax the top of the foot and to bring new attention to even feeling like you're able to squeeze isometrically the sides of your feet so that you're engaging, especially the transverse arch, you change your whole dynamic, fascial dynamic, all the way up your leg, up into your hip. So mm. it's very interesting because you can look at someone's feet and even see if they're if they have a bunion on their big toe, the first metatarsal is sticking out, right? Um, mm -hmm. They will tend to have that leg will tend to be more hyperextended when they're just standing regularly, just hanging out. Mm -hmm. That knee will tend to hyperextend, and if they feel the back of the knee, you just with your hands feel the back of the knee when your legs are straight the the back of the knee that in which the big toe has more of the bunion or tends to lift more will have more protrusion so that knee the connective tissue the soft tissue behind the knee will bulge more and then if you go all the way up into the hips the glutes the smaller glute like we literally the gluteus are typically not perfectly symmetrical the smaller of your butt muscle the the one side of the butt is smaller that's the, the side in which the foot, the toes tend to lift up more. So the simple thing, keep your toes down, keep your knees slightly bent, let your groins go back and make your hips, your butt, your glutes go up. And yeah. so then you get power from your foot. Your foot becomes much more springy. And um, it's also interestingly more sensitive as well. And you can also, if you do have a bunion or foot issues, you'll have a lot of remedy for this reduction of pain, but you can change the alignment of the foot pretty remarkably um, with these alignments that we teach in the Bowspring method. For sure. And it's interesting because the big toes, relate, the center of them relate to the pituitary gland too. So when activating that, you'll, your intuition will be stronger. So that's good mm -hmm. to know. Um, and also the feet, uh, you know, if you want to change your psyche, massage your feet, like the feet are so, you know, that there's with reflexology, the feet, how they, how they respond to each of the organs and the glands. So if you want to change your psyche, get, get a foot massage, right? That's in, in the feet, the feet relate to the heavens too. And then the hands are the earth, right? So that's really interesting. Well, thank you for that. So we don't want anybody, any of you listeners, please um, make sure that your glutes are even. We don't want one of you, any of you with one side of your glutes bigger than the other or, or droopy butts, please. Droopy, yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> so John, before we go, tell uh, tell us about Bowspring and maybe maybe like a, like a short elevator pitch or somebody that may not be familiar with it. Yeah, great. Um, Bowspring is a method of for dynamic alignment, which means for any functional movement, like the alignment you will use through the day, you can use it when you're sitting too, and you can use it when you're standing. 
but there's more engagement. And the engagement is a position where the engagement is more uniform. Like I just said that we tend to have more even unconscious tension on one side of the body than another. One side tends to be tighter, one side weaker. Um, and the bowspring brings this uniform balance. And to get that uniform balance in the connective tissue, it uses a wavy, curvy template. Um, the spine, instead of just thinking like most people think, well, the best alignment for the spine is a long spine. You, you know, you move your tailbone down, you take the top of your neck and you take it up and you, you lengthen the spine, right? And that is ubiquitous across yoga systems and alignment systems. But we look at it differently. Instead of just trying to pull one end, the two ends apart and make it straighter, we're looking at it from more of an energetic and even fascial point of view where the rib cage is in the middle of our torso from the bottom of our hips to the top of your head, the rib cage is in the middle and on the back side of the ribs, the thoracic spine literally instead of being flat, it's designed the vertebrae to have a soft, smooth curvature. And then in your lower back, the vertebrae there, the lumbar is also curved, curved the other way. And then you have the, the sacrum and the tailbone and it curves the other way. And then up in the neck, you have another soft curve and then the back of the head. So you have this waviness just even on the back of the body. And the waviness can be taught and you can use the waviness for everything. Um, and it's not only for uh, power and agility and diamondism, but with this uniform tone of the connective tissue on both the back of the front, the sides, the nervous system, the neuroglanular systems tend to get much more balanced. It's like you're giving, um, it brings a harmonic pulsation to our nervous system, to the functioning of our glands and our organs more. So general health is enhanced a lot. And then interestingly, the position to open the body where the groins, the, the bottom of the hips, the groins go back, the pelvis is tipped, the belly has more opening, the heart has more opening, the pelvic floor in the bottom is much more wide open, and then even the throat is more open in the bowspring. And these are areas of the body that somatically, psycho-emotionally, are kind of intense so that when we do have anxiety or fears that even are, that are unconscious, our posture will pull these areas into a more closed position. And, you know, it, it's, it's natural. It's, it's, um, it's a way that we protect and soothe ourselves. Um, nothing wrong with that, but it gets also, the problem can be habituated. It can be a pattern. So the bowspring is a somatically open position where, feelings and more this emotional energy can move without so much inhibition, without blocking or armoring ourselves, And so that's a, that's a very big um, uh, benefit of the bowspring is the somatic energetic opening. And then um, lastly, it, it is a practice where we, we have to face ourselves. We face our patterns, our shadows, because 
oftentimes our patterns, which are not necessarily healthy, are, are done to just, you know, again, comfort ourselves. So in, from a spiritual point of view, the Bowspring method is a very powerful path to look at what are we really doing? How are we aligning ourselves? Are we really taking care of ourselves? And how can we shift? How can we change? Can we open our mind? Like in an, if you're a yoga teacher and you've been taught, even from me, right? So I taught uh, a certain alignment in the past for years. You know, I started again in 1980 teaching yoga. And now I don't teach what I taught before. And that, that takes a lot of um, courage and openness to just do what you think is right. And that's where everybody is faced with saying, wow, I was taught how to posture and do alignment one way. And I've even invested in teacher trainings, thousands of dollars. And now you're telling me drop all of that and do something else. Are you kidding? Are you crazy? So this is where it really, the practice is like, can you, are you able to be truly open-minded? Can you really put something um, you know, your attachment to that you think you're right. Can you put it to the side, try something new, give it like a month and then make a determination. If you try it one time and you just, I don't know, I don't know if I really, if it really did anything or felt it, you know, um, give it, give it a little bit of time and then make a clear determination. And it's amazing through these 10 years of working with Desi, the students that we have had to do like a month or even two months are completely shifted and they will then continue most often to embody this new alignment really for the, the course of their life, I think. Um, and some are like, whoa, this is just too much. I'm going to go back to my old way. I can't. It brings up, we've had people say it brings up too much uh, energy. It brings up too much feelings. They're, they feel too vulnerable. Um, wow. It's too much. It, quite, it, it challenges their paradigm too much. They can't go there. And so it's really fascinating. But the Bowspring has all of this power, and um, that's why I love it. Are some of your students new to yoga, or are they, uh, are most of your students have some kind of background in practicing? Yeah, a lot of students are, are new today. Uh, a lot of yoga teachers and, and yoga students um, are, it's pretty intense, like the, the Bowspring method. So I think a lot, but a lot of people that are new that are just looking for some freedom from pain and uh, looking for greater health, they, um, and they don't really care that it's maybe not so popular. They just want benefit. <laughs> They're the ones that are yeah. do amazing, right? And you know, yeah. so that's so funny because then you get the you get the older person that's kind of out of shape, and they have they've had chronic pain, and they tend to be our best students. They're yeah. like, oh my god, this changed my life. They don't care if the the yoga studio is not you know like a uh, a super hip popular meeting place or. Yeah. Uh, you know, they don't, they don't care about all the, uh, these, you know, more cultural uh, accoutrements, you know, sure. they just want they just want to be uh, free of their pain. Sure. Sure. Good stuff. Well, John, thanks for uh, joining us again. Let's uh, look forward to having you back and talking more about some of the things that we had to gloss over today. But 
more about societal uh, issues going on and how we can overcome it. Yeah, I'd it, love to come back. Thanks for having how, me today. It's so interesting how it relates to yoga too, because even in Kundalini, right? Like it's like, it's same, same as bowspring, which is why they're my two loves of yoga is that, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's hard. It's a challenge, you know, and to, uh, to shift a pattern and to be able to decompress um, the emotions that have been compressed, repressed, depressed, and how to free them up. That's, that's scary, but that's emotional intelligence, which will lead to the first water sign of cancer, which will lead to the, the Pisces intelligence of spiritual intelligence. So thank you for, for sharing that. And um, we look forward to having you back. Thanks, Cheryl. All right, Thanks, John. Brandon. Thank you. Fourth quarter, this week's top four list. Woohoo! Okay, welcome back to the fourth quarter. Cheryl, what's our top four list this week? Top four ways to find your sweet spot. Nice. Number four, eat fruit before bed, receive sweet dreams. This makes sense to me. Number three, practice the pancreas mudra to receive sweet thoughts. And what is a mudra? Where you bring your, your thumb, your ego, and your mercury finger, your pinky together, and your gotcha. other finger straight. You're okay. right on your right hand and you bring it right to your abdomen. Wait, is the mudra the whole part or is it just putting your fingers together like this? The mood, yeah. And then you face to the left, you face the fingers to the left. So it's a mudra with your fingers. It's a, it's a gesture. Okay. And by doing that, you'll be communicating with the mercury finger and your ego, your personality, your thumb. And then it'll just bring it right in front of your abdomen so you can connect your pancreas to your brain your communication your thoughts sweet okay. thoughts. all right sounds great number two send blessings receive bliss i like that one and number one breathe deeply with a blissful mantra receive sweet sweet life it always comes back to breath and mantra <laughs> of course yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's great. Um, yeah. Hopefully uh, anybody looking for your sweet spot, there's the blueprint. Can't get it with shallow breath and, and a low frequency mantra, there right? There you go. Well, listen, another great show. We had an awesome guest and a lot of good discussion. So thanks. Uh, thanks again. And thank you to all of you listening. And we'll see you back next week for episode 18. Wow. Thank you, listeners. Woohoo. Woohoo.